turn to the book of Genesis, if you would, tonight. Chapter 6. That's right, I'm spinning around a little bit. Genesis chapter 6, verse 11. I may believe that his, history repeats itself spiritually, naturally. It's good. Thank you. I'll take this up just a bit for me. Let's read about a time on the earth that was so much like where we are tonight. It's the pre-Andaluvian destruction. <clears throat> Genesis six eleven. The earth also was corrupt before God. And the earth was filled with violence. Look at the Hebrew word there, wrong, cruelty, injustice. Ah, oh, sounds like your news every day. You're getting on your phone, isn't it? The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was, notice now, it wasn't just here and way over there in Mongolia and then way over there, but it was filled, filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth and behold, it was corrupt for all flesh. Oh no. It had got so bad that almost every person on the earth was like this. For all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. Corrupted to destroy, go to ruin, decay, to be marred, be spoiled, to be ruined, to be rotted, to pervert. Ah, so it was a time of great perversion, rottenness, decay. Sounds like today, huh? All flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said, unto comfort Noah. His parents named him well, didn't they? And God said unto Noah, the end of all flesh is come before me. For the earth is filled with violence. Now listen at the medium. The earth is filled with violence through them. You see, it's not hogs, Dogs, deer, antelope, chickens, crows. It's not them that's doing all this. It's man. The earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Can you imagine a loving, merciful, Heavenly Father, arriving to such a place that God looks at all the earth. We don't know exactly how many that there were, but it must have been quite populous upon the earth. And God looks at him and says, only you have found favor in my eyes. I'm going to destroy the whole thing. There will not be one living thing left 
unless they get in the ark of your message. I'm glad we're in that ark tonight. Now, people can jump out of this boat if they want to. You remember Paul one day when they was going along and Paul said, there were some guys that let down under a false pretense and Paul told them, you'll not be saved except you abide in the ship. Brother, sister, we've come too far in this message ship now to jump ship. I want to abide in the ship, don't you? Let's bow our heads together. Father, we... We can't read this tonight and not feel so sad in our hearts. Knowing that this was the first major destruction after man was brought upon the earth. We know that there was one that preceded this as Jeremiah shows us and Genesis 1-1 picks up when the judgment of God had struck the earth, but it was before Adam. But now this is the first one since man had been brought on the earth. It was going to be so horrific. It would change the strata of the earth. It would change everything on the face of the earth, it would never quite be the same again. Dear God, and we see ourselves surrounded by the same type of people, the same type of environment, except it's worse. For this time, you'll use fire. Dear God, we pray that you would help us. That we will remain in the ark of safety. Christ Jesus, the word. Speak to our hearts tonight, Lord. May we, each one, find, if we don't have that safety place in you, may we find it before we leave this place. For it's in the name of the Lord Jesus we ask it. And the church said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. What's amazing to me in one sense of this is that the people of the earth and the earth itself was fixing to experience something that no human being had ever seen before. It was going to be so catastrophic that we can still see the effect of it as we drive through mountains and hills and see the strata of the rock as they are running at such angles and see things that would have been unnatural for them to have been that place in the dawn of creation. The earth still bears the image or the scars of such the judgment of God. And yet, the majority of the people were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, building houses, raising families, 
going right on with their life as if though they would live for another thousand years. Now remember, man at this time was still living to be centuries old. They didn't start aging at 45 and 50 like we do. They were still at the time frame to where Methuselah, the last one that by his name prophetically, which means he will die before the deluge, lived to be 969 years old. So you imagine a man preaching, judgment's coming. They say, are you kidding me? My grandma was 950. My grandpa was 945. I'm just 32 years old. I'm 35. I'm 40. Well, you'd been a spring chicken in them days at 380. Can you imagine? And here stands this man saying, God said, I'm going to cut the time short. 120 years is all you've got left. Oh, yeah, right. Who in the world do you think you are? Who makes you believe? You're the only one in all the earth that is preaching this nonsense. Why, if God was going to do something like that, he would certainly tell our pastor. He would certainly let our bishop know about it or, or let this great university of Bob Jones, as we'd say today, or this or that or the other. No, God chose a simple farmer and he revealed himself to him. And they must have laughed and ridiculed and made fun of the man. And yet God told him before he ever preached, let me tell you who's going to be saved. It's going to be you and your household. I want you to build so many bedrooms in that ark. That's all that's going to be in it when you're done laboring. That must have been very hard, Brother Darrell. Preaching to people that you know, ain't none of them even going to be saved. And yet the man had to preach as fervent as if though he was going to be one that would turn thousands or maybe even millions to the truth. But yet God in his mercy gave them a space to repent. What did they do? They laughed at the messenger. They laughed at the message. And God destroyed them all. You know, it's been just one time that the earth has experienced such a global catastrophic event. You know as well as I do that floods have been in the last week or so. In Colorado, the floods have come, and I saw it yesterday, washing vehicles down the road in St. Louis, Missouri. And yet, Lake Mead is drying up. Salt Lake City, their great Salt Lake, is drying up. And I saw, as a scientist the other day, said that there's so many great dangers involved in what's going to happen to the great Salt Lake as it dries because in the contents of the great Salt Lake is many, many chemicals 
And as it dries, the wind will start to pick it up as the winter will start to blow the storms in. One of the great contents in the lake there is arsenic. And when the water begins to evaporate, there's going to be arsenic particles all in the sand, all along the shore, everywhere. And the wind will start to pick it up and blow. And when it does, people will start to experience arsenic poisoning. That's only one of the many chemicals that are there. Some experiencing drought. The West going through a drought. Been that way for many years. Others are experiencing floods. The earth is going through these birth pains. But yet for the first and only time, the entire earth was covered in a deluge of water. And it wasn't just a water that came down. But the Bible says the fountains of the deep broke up. So the great aquifers that were beneath the surface of the earth began to belch out all what they contained and there was billions and billions of gallons of water. So it wasn't just rain from the sky, but it was the earth belching out from the aquifers which the Lord God had put inside of her. And the water from the heavens began to meet the waters from the earth. And the entire earth was under this deluge. And God in his mercy, after it was over, painted the beautiful picture, as it were, we would read it, with the seven colors of the rainbow and said, never again will I do this to the earth. But the next time, God promises fire. Just as their generation was insane, as they were wicked, and the imagination of their heart was continually evil. So we have arrived at an age of violence. Criminal acts, many of our major cities, is that right? Many of our major cities, crime rate soaring like it never has before. And we got politicians, of course, that's allowing it to be so. You probably saw it maybe on your news or wherever you get it from, that just last Sunday, that a certain church in New York was robbed. And the pastor and his wife, they stole over a million dollars worth of jewelry from the pastor and his wife. The pastor was in the pulpit preaching and I, I read it and I told Carol, I said, well, sound like to me that old boy got done to him what he is doing to his people. <laughs> you imagine a pastor and his wife having over a million dollars worth of jewelry on their person in the church? He ought to have been ashamed to call himself a preacher. But violence is increasing, is it not, friends? It is increasing like never before. And what does it breed? It breeds more violence. And it's getting so out of hand, one shooting here, another shooting there, and another shooting here. I hope you realize, and I'll tell you advance before we go to do it. When we move into our new facility, we will have to meet and talk 
and we will have to be able to decide how are we going to handle if some idiot comes in with a gun. Our deacons, some of them have already been trained and went to courses here given by the police so they would know how to handle a situation. Who would have ever thought that we would have ever had to talk about such stuff. But we're living in the hour when this type of a situation is going to get worse and worse. For those of you who don't start your day off with prayer, I advise you to start praying before you go to Walmart. I'd advise you to start praying before you go to Food City to get your grocery because you never know what you're gonna run into. You need the angels of God with you every day of your life because we're living in this type of a world. Oh, but the sad part about it again is that the judgment of God, I realize that this is an aspect of God that many people do not like to talk about, preach about, or hear about. But it is an aspect of God that we must understand. And it's an aspect that many people look at the judgment of God and they do not consider it as righteous as grace is. You see, many people look at the judgment of God and somehow they think God got saved in the Old Testament. And Jesus is the good part of God and God was that mean guy in the Old Testament. Well, there ain't no two gods in the first place. It's the very same one manifesting himself in another form, but God still has this attribute about himself, and God is the only one that can be able to bring revenge and do it in a just way. You and I cannot get revenge on people and be right about it. Well, praise the Lord. That's why we are not to bring revenge, but offer forgiveness. Is that right? But yet God can do it and be just in doing so. Now let's read in Revelation 16.1. Now we're gonna come and parallel what's gonna happen in the time of the tribulation period. Now remember we're preaching about getting in the spirit. People all over the world are getting into the influence of one spirit or the other. And I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, go your ways and pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. Now remember the tribulation period is not just a time of Satan being angry and coming down, but it's also a merging time of the wrath of God as well. So the inhabitants of the earth that miss the rapture, they're not only going to deal with the wrath of Satan, but they're also going to be dealing with the wrath of God that are poured out in these symbols, and the English word here is vile, the Greek word is actually like a bowl, so seven angels are given seven bowls, and they're going to come and pour out the wrath of God. Notice where they come from. They come from the temple. But how is it could this come from the temple? Because the lamb has left the mercy seat. Now what's amazing is out of this temple issued forth the grace of God for 2,000 years of church ages. Out of there issued forgiveness by the millions of those that accepted it. Out of that same temple come forgiveness and kindness and love and mercy and pardon and on and on and on. But you see the reason that the issuance has now changed is because the temple has become 
come smoking. And the lamb has left the mercy seat. Well, where is he? Well, him and the bride is in another chamber and they're enjoying the marriage supper of the lamb. So now the temple becomes the very place that the judgment of God is being issued out of. I hope you understand that, that both gentle and kind and sweet preaching and harsh preaching can come from the same pulpit. And a man that's really preaching the truth every now and then is really going to get harsh. Because you know what? I don't care how much you think you are, how good you are, we still need our hides tanned every now and then. That's right, because our old hides still ain't got the Holy Ghost yet. So from the throne of God, from the issuing forth here at the pulpit can come mercy and kindness and love and all that sort of thing. And yet in the very same service, the word comes so hard, my goodness, it just cuts you coming and going. But now the change, the dispensational change that we're looking at is because the lamb has removed and there is no lawyer of mercy on the judgment seat of God. So now there's nothing that will keep them. Remember the prophet saying the blood that was wrapped around the earth and it was the mercy of God in the blood of the Lord Jesus. Well, when the bride goes home in the rapture, then that is totally lifted from the earth. There is no more mercy. There is no more blood right now. Even the reason that it's not any worse than it is is because there's no doubt people that are yet to be redeemed and saved. So notice in verse two, and the first went and poured out his vial upon the earth, and there fell a noisome and grievous sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast. Now notice there is a difference in these vials in the way that they come, and they were parallel, of course, with the trumpets. So there's seven church ages, seven church age messengers, seven trumpets, seven vials, many, many sevens in the book of Revelation. But notice where this one, is poured out upon, upon those that had the mark of the beast and on them which worshiped, and we looked at that word last week, of those that bowed the knee and kissed the hand. Uh huh. They worshiped the image and the second angel poured out his vial upon the sea. So now it moves from just the men, it's going to come over and merge into nature itself. Now remember this is also a great parallel of the children of Israel coming out of the land of Egypt. Remember God mixed it. He would, uh, he would attack nature, he would be able to let the plagues come upon human beings and when we look at the time of the tribulation period, it's very, very similar. Why? Because God is bringing out the 144,000 and he's letting his wrath fall upon the unbelievers. Notice what happens when the second angel pours out his vial upon the sea and it became as the blood of a dead man. And every living soul, now this word, this Greek word is nihesh, which means soul, spirit, living being, so it's not that the animals had a soul, it's the same word that has a pretty broad meaning. But every living soul that died in the sea. So it became as the blood of a dead man. Now here God is likening this blood, how it's gonna change under this vial to the blood of a man that has been died, which totally changes once life leaves the human being. It's absolutely amazing myself. I don't know that much about as much as you medical people, of course, but being around and seeing what the blood of a human being that's alive looks like and what it does. And then when that human being dies in just a little bit of time, how that blood will begin to change. 
and yet the chemistry is still the same. The molecular makeup of the blood is still the same, but what is the difference? The life that was in the blood is gone. So when you take the life out of the human body, that same blood, which was the life of the individual, then when you take life out of the human body, the blood begins to change. It turns dark, becomes black, becomes very thick, coagulated. So clotted together, putrid. Now notice this is a little bit different than what had happened before. So what God is showing is there's no returning to life. There's no returning after this. It's not going to get any better. It's only going to get worse. So the waters became black like the blood of a dead man and every living soul in their died. Now notice the parallel between this and Revelation chapter eight, verse nine, in that it said in that a third part of the creatures that were in the sea died. Now you'll watch these vials and they're getting worse and worse and worse as they progress. And the third part of the ships were destroyed. But here, this phase of the tribulation period, the destruction is more severe and awful and everything in there died. Now what's in Revelation 16, four? And the third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers and fountains of water and they became blood. Notice he does not say now that these become as the blood of a dead man. But these enter into a different stage. Now watch the judgment of God. So he pours out his vial and as it was in the land of Egypt, the waters become as blood. This also coincides with the sounding of the third trumpet, Revelation 8.10. And the third angel sounded and there was a great star that fell from heaven, burning as it were a lamp, and it fell upon the third part of the waters and upon the fountain of the waters, and the name of the star is called Wormwood. And the third part of the waters became wormwood. And many men died of the waters because they were made bitter. Notice in Revelation 16, 5. And I heard the angel of the waters say, and I hope you understand that certain angels are angels of waters. Certain angels are angels of the earth. Certain angels are angels of the heavenlies, of the stars. God subdivided them. Now notice this one here was the angel of the waters. Notice what his response is whenever this vial is poured out upon the waters of the earth. Thou art righteous. Wow. What a thing to say to God after God has now turned the waters and part of them become the blood of it like the blood of a dead man and this time they're becoming like blood and God is going to give them blood to drink and it's exactly corresponding to what they were. So you see, God gives to those who want death and all this sort of thing. You see what God gives them? Blood. Well, I don't want death myself. I want life. I want mercy. I want forgiveness. So what's God going to give to us? Wells of living water. You see, God will give you what you want to eat according to your nature, and God will give you what you want to drink according to your nature. They wanted blood, God gave them blood. They wanted the blood of the prophets, they wanted the blood of the saints, and God's gonna give them the blood of the river, so go ahead and go to it. You wanted blood, here you are, drink it. Hey brother, Colligan came purified. You ain't got no water purified that'll take the blood out of this water. Is that right? Well, the bride asked for fountains of living waters. And Jesus said, here you go. Here's the waters of life. 
Oh, hallelujah. Now, isn't it a strange thing that from an angel's point of view, I don't believe the angel is saying this because he's afraid of God. But this angel has been one of those that down through time, no doubt, has been used in the destruction of peoples and nations and nationalities in the form of waters. This angel was an angel of water. So no doubt he had a great part in the Andalusian destruction. So now he's being used again, and no doubt he's been used down through time in different civilizations in the destruction of those civilizations or cities by the destruction of water. And yet he does not look at this and say, oh, I'm scared of God. I better say, God, that's a good move. That's a great move. I believe this angel is speaking from thousands of years of experience and knowing that when the Lord God sends destruction, that is this matter that it is rightly deserved by the inhabitants of the earth. My, my. Well, I wonder how many of us tonight can say God is righteous and never God will punish the wicked. Or do we think he's mean? Now, a lot of folks are going to say, well, that mean, oh God. No, God ain't mean. God's not mean at all. There's not one mean thing about God. I, I, myself, I agree with the angel. I hope everybody else here does tonight. I heard the angel of the waters say, Thou art righteous, O Lord, which art and was and shall be, because thou hast judged thus. You see, in God's government, the punishment fits the crime. In God's government, the punishment fits the crime. So if God is pouring out such horrendous judgments in the time of the tribulation, it proves to us that it is very fitting for the culmination of all these ages, and it is fitting for the crimes. Is that right? Well, what did they want? They wanted deaths. So the Supreme Court ruled that they could kill their babies. They took the lives of 63 million of them. That's just the ones they've got on record. Pharaoh tried to drown the Jewish boy babies. And what did God give him back? Drowned his army. In the Red Sea. Haman had a gallows built for Mordecai and what did God do? Haman wanted to, to be able to hang Mordecai and destroy his family. And what did God do? God turned it right around and allowed Haman to be hung on the same gallows and God allowed his family to be annihilated. So friends, don't do evil to the bride. Don't do evil to the bride. Don't persecute people. Pray for them. Oh, but Brother Donald, this person did me wrong, did me wrong. Sure, I understand. We've all been done wrong before. But don't, don't do people wrong. Pray for them. Pray for them. Because remember, we're sowing seeds. And the Lord Jesus has told us he'll take care of all these things. Now, you see, when God renders such a punishment, remember King Saul, whenever Saul refused to slay the Amalekites, that was the word of God. And tell me, who was it that slayed King Saul? An Amalekite. His punishment equaled his transgression. Now, notice in verse 6, for they have shed the blood 
of saints and prophets. Now what's the judgment of God now? They have killed saints. They have killed prophets. Notice how the angel looks at it. And thou hast given them blood to drink. They hated your prophets. They hated your saints. They wanted their blood spilt. So God said, I consider it fair and deem it righteous to give you blood instead of sweet tea. Blood instead of coffee. You go into Starbucks. Well, I hope none of you do, so I hope you ain't here. People go into Starbucks and pay $8 for a big hack of flute and fancy coffee. When they turn the machine on, it'll be blood. They'll go to their collagen dispenser and they'll go here, there, and there. Come on, saints. You know, you don't always have to take a man's blood from him. You can kill a man's confidence by your tongue. That's right. A lot of folks are going to be guilty of murdering preachers and never laid one finger on them because they run them down. And let me not just limit it to preachers, but to the bride of Christ in general. And you see, when you murder God's children, guess what's going to happen to you? Oh my. Thou hast given them blood to drink. Listen to these words. For they are worthy. How different from the saints in the Sardesian church age when the Lord Jesus said, you will walk with me in white for you are worthy. So really, it's simple. Do you want blood? Or white clothes. Which does America want? The most part, blood. Do they want life? They choose death. Do they choose right? They choose wrong. They choose perversion over truth. Is that right? Not only America, but the world. Then what is awaiting for them? Blood. Damnation. Explosions. Oh, mama. And while they are drinking blood, you will be sitting at the table with the king. And as Jesus told his disciples, I'll drink no more the fruit of the vine with you until I drink it anew with you in my father's kingdom. And there we will sit at the table of God at the marriage supper of the lamb and the people on the earth are drinking blood. We will be taking communion with our blessed Lord Jesus. Why? Because we accepted his provided way for this day. We never just accepted what he'd done 2,000 years ago and stopped. We never stopped with Luther. We never stopped with Wesley. But we believed he kept on revealing himself. Amen. They thirsted after the blood of God's people. And God gave them blood to drink. And I heard another out of the altar say, even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous. Where's the word grace? 
Where's the word mercy? Compassion. You know, it really takes a revelation from God to help you understand this. Some of you may not be able to even do it tonight. You may not be able to even repeat this scripture with a rhema voice to where you can say true and righteous and holy are your judgments. So if you could be carried up by vision and you would see as Russia goes to bombing our nation and the earthquake strikes on the west coast and millions die at one time and it'll sweep plumb down to the Salton Sea and the tsunamis will rock the earth to such a place that the waters will come and cover Florida. Not just on the west coast, but the east. And the prophet prophesied in 1935 and said, the sea will weep its way into the desert. So what is the sea doing? It's crying, it's crying. You as an American citizen, for those of you tonight that are Americans, could you be able to look in the form of vision and look down upon your, your state, your nation, your country, and see great bombs exploding, atomic fallout going everywhere, and to see the earthquakes and the thing happen, and would you cry? Would you lament and say, God, that ain't fair, that ain't fair? Or would you say, oh, Lord God Almighty, thou art righteous, and thy judgments are true. Yes, sir. We need a separation from really understanding what true love is and human sympathy. Go ahead and say amen. Some of us need some help with it. And I heard another out of the altar. You imagine this, Harry. This, Brother Darrell, come from the altar. From the same altar that I heard, come and follow me. From the same altar, I forgive you. But now the lawyer's gone. How could this come from the altar? The sanctuary is smoky. Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are thy judgments. And the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun and power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. Now the judgment is going to strike the sun itself. In response to this, people curse God and refuse to repent. And God just turns it up. They think they know what global warming is. But I, my friends, am trying to preach to you tonight about some sunscreen. S-O-N screen? Brother Jack, we've got sunscreen. 
Well, most of you was probably like me when you was a kid. I never even heard a son scream whenever I was a kid. So I had to have skin cancer removed across my nose and a little one here and one there. You know, many of you have done exactly the same thing. And then they tell you to wear sunscreen. They out does it a lot of good. You got a big scar across your face. But you know, I've learned that they got a rating on the side of that thing. I'll tell you whatever PPF or whatever it's called there. And it'll tell you how long you got to repeat it and it's waterproof and this and that. Well, in the days of Paul, they started out on the foundation of the sunscreen, but as we went on in time, it's become a little bit brighter and a little bit hotter. So as we go on where we are, we really need some powerful sunscreen to keep us from getting tangled up and all the things of Laodicea. So what do we need? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. We need to be able to take that seven power and be able to apply that son of man tan all over. <laughs> Hallelujah. Apply that son of man to our spirit, to our soul, to our body, to our music, to everything we do, wherever we go, whatever kind of attitude we have, it is a sunscreen that will protect you from being burned up in the last days. So God is going to allow the sun. Now remember the sun averages approximately 93 million miles from the earth. 93 million miles from the earth. The sun will produce flare spots and whatever it does, it'll put out these energetic things, you know, and we feel the effect of it down on the earth whenever it does. These flares, can you imagine when the angel of God pours out his wrath? And the sun is allowed to increase its intensity. Dear God, don't worry, I ain't want to take a series on this because I don't plan on being here. God's given him a foretaste of what he said in Malachi that he would destroy the earth with a fire. You see, it corresponds to the fourth trumpet as well. Revelation 8, 12, and the fourth angel. So there's trumpet angels and there's vile angels. You see, God can divide this however he wants to. And he don't need our permission to say, you okay with this? Y'all all right with that? Well, if he does it, I'm all right with it. What about you all? You see, that's one thing that folks don't understand about the message of the hour. They can't stand it that God chose a man and chose that man to be his mouthpiece. Well, I thank God for it myself. The fourth angel sounded and the third part of the sun. Notice the difference now between the trumpet and the vial. It's getting worse as it goes on. It's progressing to more horror as it advances. And the third part of the stars, so as the third part of them was darkened. And the day shone not for a third part and the night likewise. Now notice what these people on the earth do when the sun gets hotter. Revelation 16, 9, and men were scorched with great heat. Now I want you to notice, they were not infidels. They were not agnostics. And so, well, it must be global warning. You know, this is happening and that's happening. But notice what they do and blasphemed the name of God. 
Well, if they're an infidel, they wouldn't do that because they don't believe there is a God. Isn't it amazing that it has brought a God consciousness to them? But instead of turning their hearts, they blaspheme him. I hate you, God. You are so mean. You are so cruel, God. How could you do this to us? Oh, my. And blaspheme the name of God, which has power over these plagues. So now they've come to a great understanding. They know who's got the power. (laughs) Aren't you glad you found that out? But instead of blaspheming his name, you took his name in water baptism. Praise the Lord. You use his name in prayer. You use his name when you ask anything in his name. And they now recognize him, but they blaspheme his name and curse him. Ma, which hath power over these plagues. And they repented not to give him. Now, what you notice here, John was one of the first apostles, of course. This is why our faith has been restored back to the original apostolic doctrine. John ain't saying nothing about them. But him. These unbelievers, instead of entreating God, God, please be merciful. But they are so defiant. They blaspheme his name. Dear God, thank you, I'm going to be gone. And the fifth angel poured out his vow upon the seat of the beast. And his kingdom was full of darkness. And they gnawed their tongues for pain. The seat, the home, the center of the power of the beast had not yet been touched. It was his people with his mark. It was the people, just the normal people on the earth. Watch now God's changing. And these last ones will be toward the beast and his power. He's the prince of darkness. And what does God give him? Darkness. Oh my. This was a blow aimed at the power of the beast but not yet to totally annihilate him. The best is yet to come. For us anyway. You see, this parallels the ninth plague. Exodus chapter 10, if you'd like to read it, verse 21 to 23. The darkness that moved upon Egypt. The first four plagues God pours out upon the creation, the earth, the rivers, the sun, but now on Satan's spiritual empire. And the last three of these plagues, the last three are against the followers and Satan himself. And blaspheme the God of heaven. Notice now, how many of these people on the earth have gotten so religious? Wonder how many of these were scientists and all kinds of people that spent all their years trying to disprove there's a God. And now here they are in the tribulation period and they, they all of a sudden wake up and realize there's a God. 
and they go to blaspheming his name and saying all kinds of things about him. Oh my. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates. And the water thereof was dried up that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. You see, the river Euphrates, the dividing stream in the old time between Israel and Assyria, between Israel and Babylon. Now, in this stream, water, of course, is a great symbol used in the Bible, and between the Israel that God chose to himself and those that was on the other side of the river. You'll find that in the book of Joshua. It was also a dividing line. Water has always been a dividing line. It was a dividing line to separate Noah. Noah was on one side of the water. Everybody else was on the other side. Right? Depends on which side you find yourself up. Depends on where you'll be up or down. You see, Noah was on this side of the water. The same water that destroyed them saved him. The same water that drowned them was what floated his boat. Well, I'll tell you one thing. That's the way I am, you know. And a real believer are. This word is the same thing that floats our boat. And to everybody else, they laugh at it. They make fun of it. Oh, they're going down for the count. One, two, three. And what are we doing? It's floating our boat. And it's fixing to float us out of this world. You know what? The very same message they ridicule, make fun of, laugh at. One of these days, that very same word will become dynamics and mechanics mixed together, it will cause the sails in our bodies to change. The very same word. Oh, thank you, Lord. Now watch, so this river is going to be dried up in the outpouring of this vial. That runs a great parallel actually to the time of Babylon and the Babylonian kingdom. When Cyrus the Persian is now, by prophecy, he's the one that's going to take over. You remember the vision that Daniel saw interpreting the dream of Nebuchadnezzar? And now it's coming over to the Medo-Persians. And here was Babylon with its great hanging gardens and all the great things that they was able to achieve in that day. And they actually tapped into the Euphrates River and boy, they was drunk and carrying on the office ever was. And what Cyrus did, he went in by the gate of Issachar, which run right down through the middle of it. They typed it like heaven. And the prophet tells us it was the devil that gave them that inspiration because the devil had been up in heaven. So Babylon represented a little bit of heaven on the earth from the inspiration of the devil. So Cyrus and the Persian army went in and diverted the river. Now they had these great iron and steel bars that went plumb down in the river. They went above it a little bit and rerouted the river and they caused it to go around and bypass Babylon when they were in there having their great drunken parties. And the river was dried up, as it were. And once the river dried up, they was able to go right in under the gates and take over the whole kingdom in one night's time. Now notice this then was a spiritual parallel of what's fixing to happen. So of course waters in the Bible represents people as well. So here the power of God is now going to allow what has hindered the armies of the earth from coming against his people and the river will now be dried up. 
So as the drying of the Euphrates was an immediate forerunner of the changing of the kingdom, so now the drying of the river is going to allow, amen, great armies to start coming on. Why? Because the stone kingdom is fixing to be set up on the earth. The great mountain of the Lord. Notice, and I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. Now, this is Satan's trinity. These frogs were actually the Trinitarian doctrine. Is that right? That's what the prophet told us. Notice in the anointed ones, a trinity of frogs. And a frog is an animal that always looks backward. He never looks where he's going, but he looks where he's come from. See, don't you see? Where was the Trinitarianism born at? Remember the unclean spirits, individual spirits? Are you getting it? Congregation says, Amen. notice they look back to the Nicene Council. Well, praise the Lord. They look back to the Nicene Council where the Trinity Doctrine was born at, not in the Bible. So where did the Trinity Doctrine come from? Out of Satan's Trinity himself. So it goes out of the mouth of the beast and the false prophet, and it comes out of them a Trinity of gods. Oh, my. No such a thing. They go back to the Nicene Council at Rome. Notice where they come from. A trinity of frogs come out of an old trinity. Gave birth to a new trinity, their mother. What did it come out of? A trinity. The dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. A trinity, new. For when there were frogs come out of it, when did it? They was there all the time, but it was manifested between the sixth and seventh vial just before the seals were opened. Now notice what they are in verse 14. For these are the spirits of devils working miracles. Friends, this is why I keep saying it over and over again. Some of the message brothers don't want, don't, do not want you to say this. Miracles is not the only sign the bride has. Devils work miracles. Jesus said, they'll stand before me in that day and say, I cast out devils in your name. I've done this and that and the other. Yes, I believe in miracles. My goodness, I've seen miracles my whole ministry, even when I was back in Pentecost. I still believe in miracles, but that's not the only sign that we are believers. There's all kinds of people. You know, the prayer line that we had, some of them visitors that were in that prayer line, some of them same people went to other churches in our neighborhood that was having prayer lines and got prayed for too. Because I know some of the people that knew some of them people, so they've been going to this charismatic church and this Pentecostal church and this church over here and that church over there. We're not the only one that believes in healing in the Tri-Cities. We're not the only ones that believes that God can still perform a miracle. Well, come on. But we know it takes more than healing. It takes more than miracles. It takes more than shouting. It takes the entire word to believe that word to produce a body change. Oh my. They are the spirits of devils working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth. Uh oh. And of the whole world to gather them to battle that great day of God Almighty. Notice the prophet said Satan's trinity, same person, incarnate from one to the other. That's the way them bugs did, them worms, he said, that Nicolaitan spiritual antichrist, pope, false prophet, beast, the devil himself incarnate. 
Now first, he become an antichrist. He couldn't be antichrist only in spirit. Then he become an antichrist, took a man. Now you couldn't crown the antichrist spirit, which was in the days of John. Remember John saying, you've heard that said the antichrist will come. He said, I say unto you that it's already here. But you cannot crown an antichrist spirit. Then it comes to the second stage. A pope, a man, a false prophet. Then you can put a crown on him. Which they did in 325 AD, of course, when they begin to form a heading toward the crowning of being the pontiff. Then he becomes a false prophet to the Antichrist spirit. Now, what about a man in an organization? Suit yourself. I don't know what you think about it. It's all right. Finally, he becomes a beast. Now, wait, we'll get in that after a while. If Satan's trinity lays like that, Satan all the time. It ain't that there's one Mr. Satan that's a false prophet and there's another Mr. Satan and he's a beast and another Mr. Satan that's the Antichrist. It's the same old lying devil. Notice this in Revelation 16, 5, what the Lord Jesus says, behold. Isn't it amazing that all this stuff goes on and the Lord Jesus interjects this one statement himself. He wants to say this. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Wow, what a place to interject all this. Look at this word, watcheth. Be vigilant, watch. Metaphorically, give strict attention to. Be cautious to take heed lest through remission or indolence some destructive calamity suddenly overtake you. Isn't it strange the way the Lord Jesus says this? That he said, and he'll keep his garments lest he walk naked. Now I'm not sure if you're familiar with this or not, but during the night, now this is from history, the captain of the temple would make his rounds Now, the temple was to be guarded. This is what he would do. On his approach, the guards had to rise and salute him in a particular manner. Any guard found asleep when on duty was beaten or his garments were set on fire. So when you saw that old boy, you knew he was found sleeping. I mean, he's dressed up like an Egyptian mummy, so there's no question about it. He had that smell of smoke about him. I don't know about you, I'd rather smell like smoke when I leave church. Or my hide's been burnt, but a little, little Vaseline, you know, a little, little oil poured in there to kind of heal our wounds than to be found at the end time and my garments be burnt, burnt off of me and me wind up without the rapturing power of God. Nope, I'll take a hide skin at any time. I'll take my hide being burned, Brother Darrell, any day out of the week over this situation right here. Oh, my. And... He gathered them together in a place called, in the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. I've read about Armageddon all my life since a little boy, starting to read the Bible. The Valley of Jezreel. 
the Mount of Olives, Mount Carmel. But I never realized until mine and Carol's trip a couple years ago. When we got up on Mount Carmel, now y'all remember what happened in Mount Carmel, right? Elijah was there and swore he killed the false prophets and Elijah's cave is right up there. A real rocky, hilly place called Mount Carmel. They've got this big, gigantic statue of Elijah standing out there with a sword in his hand. It's quite intimidating. And I never placed it geographically before and realized where Mount Carmel was. So we drive up this road and there's one tour bus after another, after another, and I get out there and I love rocks anyway. And you have to park, you know, a pretty good way so you get out there and there's all kinds of rocks, there's rocks everywhere, just rocks, rocks, rocks. I've got rocks in my pockets, rocks in my, I've got rocks everywhere. And I'm just thinking, oh man, I wish I had a tractor and trailer load of these things. They're just so cool, so neat. <laughs> And I get up there and the guy goes to talking to us and pulling us up there and there's a, a temple or church of a thing that's built there. And then he calls us up a little higher and we go to moving up. And when we climb up to the top and we go to looking over and he said, this is the valley of Jezreel. Or what you New Testament readers know as Armageddon. And I saw it. So here where Elijah slayed them false prophets. <laughs> and Elijah's cave was down there somewhere where he come out of there and standing right there on top of Mount Carmel, Carmel, you could look as far as you could see to the left, as far as you could see to the right, even with my GoPro camera, you couldn't even pull it into focus because it was so far and spread in front of you nearly as far as your eyes could see. And I thought, glory to God, I may never stand here again till I'm on top of my horse. <laughs> oh my, there it lay, the valley of Megiddo. <laughs> also called the valley of Jezreel. Let me just read this and we'll stop here momentarily. Armageddon is the mountain of Megiddo. It is the high tableland surrounded by hills, which was the great battlefield of the Holy Land. There are fortunes of dynasties and kingdoms have been decided. Well, that sounds like an ideal place to me to have another dynasty introduced, don't it you? <laughs> Amen. There the cause of liberty has triumphed. There kings fought and fell. There Gideon and Barak were victorious. There Ahaziah and Josiah were slain. The old battleground becomes the symbol of the decisive struggle. Megiddo and the plain of Esdralon, which has been a chosen place for encampment in every contest carried on in Palestine from the days of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Assyria, unto the disastrous march of Napoleon Bonaparte from Egypt into Syria. Jews, Gentiles, Saracens, Christian crusaders, anti-Christian Frenchmen, Egyptians, Persians, Druzes, Turks, Arabs, 
warriors, warriors of every nation that is under heaven have pitched their tents on the plain of Estrelon and have beheld the banners of their nation wet with the dews of Tabor and Hermon. What a fitting place for our Lord God. And he will cause the armies of the earth to gather. He will beckon them and they will come. They will think they will now annihilate Israel. The Muslims, the Turks, the Arabs. Oh, come on now. By this time in the battle, America will already done be annihilated. So you see, we will not be able to send our HIMARS. We will not be able to send our rockets. We will not be able to send any of that because we have already been destroyed. I'm talking about our nation. So now the Lord God, hallelujah, they won't see him right there, but it's him and he's drawing them. Come on. Come on. Ooh, we're scared of you. Come on. Now they'll say we'll wipe every Jew off the face of the earth. We will annihilate them. We will destroy them. He will actually allow the city to be captured. To draw them in further. This is more important than fellowship and outside. Give me a few more minutes. Isaiah 34, 1. Come near, you nations. To hear and hearken, you people. Let the earth hear. And all that is therein, the world, and all things that come forth of it. For the indignation of the Lord is upon all nations, and his fury upon all their armies. He has utterly destroyed them, and he hath delivered them into the slaughter. Their slain also shall be cast out, and their stink shall come up out of their carcasses, and the mountains shall be melted with their blood. All the host of heaven shall be dissolved, and the heavens shall be rolled together as a scroll. And all their hosts shall fall down as a leaf falleth off the vine, as a falling fig from the fig tree. Joel 3, 1, for behold, in those days and at that time, and I shall bring again the captivity of Judah and Jerusalem, I will also gather all nations. They may get together and call their little league this and their little league that. That's all it is to a little league. <laughs> it's like a bunch of little old little league boys trying to play against professionals. Brother, this is the professional warrior of all time. <laughs> Notice what God says. I will gather all nations and will bring them into the valley of Jehoshaphat which is the valley of Esdralon, which is the valley of Jezreel, which is the valley of Megiddo. And will plead with them there for my people and for my heritage Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations and parted my land. Zechariah 12, 2. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all the people round about 
when they shall be in the siege both against Judah and against Jerusalem. And in that day, I will make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people. You understand that's where we are. This is the prelude of what's gonna happen in the tribulation period. Jerusalem, it is a melting pot and yet at the same time it's a powder keg. A powder keg. Do you know right now that Israel has already said they've taken our F-35? They have now changed our stealth fighter, which the Jews was also part of the designing the F-35. They have now upgraded the F-35 to an F-35I. They have upgraded the fuel tanks and they can fly to Iran and back without fueling in midair. They have also increased the load capacity that they can carry a 2,000 pound bomb and go in under radar and come right back out. And they told America, we will attack without you. Well, if they can be that bold, what about you children of God? We ain't got an F-35. We ain't got a smart bomb. We've got the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, and of his kingdom there is no end. Look, friends, to the world, Jerusalem is a burdensome stone. It's not Munich. It's not Chicago, it's not New York. Look at how small it is. Been conquered over 40 times down through its history. It's always been a king's prize. There's places in Telford that's much prettier. But the Jews say Israel is the navel of the earth. And from there, she gives birth to the rest. And I will make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people. And all that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces. Though all the people of the earth be gathered together against it. Can I have a few more minutes? I'm closing. I'm on my way out. I'm just going slow. Zechariah 14.1. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh. This is the day of man. But notice when the day of the Lord cometh. Thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. And the city shall be taken. And the houses rifled and the women ravished. Half of the city shall go forth into captivity and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then shall the Lord go forth. I don't know if you know this or not, but you're going to know it in a minute. The term go forth is a military term. It's also a technical term that's used to define a king going out to battle. (laughs) Amen. The king going out to battle. Oh, you say, Brother Donnie, you mean the the Lord's gonna fight? Exodus 15, three. The Lord 
is a man of war. <laughs> he ain't just a warrior against the Midianites and all the rest of themites and all that sort of thing. He's a man of war against cancer. He's a man of war against heartache. He's a man of war against heart trouble. He's a man of war against sugar diabetes. Well, glory to God, he's a man of war against suicide. He's a man of war against oppression. Glory to God. The Lord is a man of war. Tell me how Moses knew that the Lord was a man when the Lord hadn't quite revealed himself yet as a man. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Jehovah Adonai. Isaiah 42, 13, the Lord shall go forth as a mighty man. <laughs> Now you imagine, he looks over at us and says, all right, children, the marriage supper is officially over. Put on your fighting garments. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Glory be to God. Hallelujah. So we sat down our wedding cake. We sat down our cup of wine and all that sort of thing. Lay our napkins down and get up real polite. Wonderful supper. Here we come, both hands full of swords. And we say, we're ready, great man. <laughs> the Lord is a man of war. Well, let me say it to you. The bride are a people of war. They're not a bunch of cowards. They're not a bunch of babies. But the bride are a people of war. The Lord shall go forth as a mighty man. He shall stir up jealousy like a man of war. He shall cry, yea, roar, whoa, and shall prevail against his enemies. Let's stand. Now y'all feel like fighting me, don't you? Well, I hate to stop them in the middle of this war, but we've got too much to rush. Zechariah 14, 4 goes on to say, his feet. Notice, it ain't a doctrine coming back. It ain't an ideology, Brother Paul. It's a man. Here is the God-man. God never had a permanent flesh body until Jesus was on the earth. And God raised that body. God tells us in future home that God said, this is my part of the earth. And from this part, I'll redeem the rest of it. And God is going to meet Satan. Well, you're talking about the battle being hot and heavy. Whew. Satan's going to gather his Protestants and his Catholics. I've quoted you a direct quote from the seal book. 
And there Satan will be what? Incarnate. A man. So here come the Lord God Almighty. Incarnate man. <laughs> Jesus comes with his resurrected saints, which Brother Branham calls them vindicated word. So Satan will have all of his armies. There'll be all the Arabs, the Muslims, the Catholics, the Protestants, you know, all them that all be gathered together. They'll bring all their missiles and they'll bring this and that and the other. This is what they're going to see. And his feet shall stand in that day on the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west. And there shall be a great valley. Half of the mountain shall remove toward the north and half of it toward the south. What will it be? Oh, glory to God, a great earthquake. In the hour of Israel's greatest need, here will appear their champion. Oh, he's done it for me, any of you? In my hour of need, who appeared? I didn't need a bishop. I didn't need a pope. I needed a champion. Maybe you're fighting hell tonight. You don't need some fine preacher that can stand up and speak all kinds of nice words. You need a champion. Well, I'm not here tonight to point you to a preacher. I'm here to point you to the mighty God, the everlasting Father. He is the bride's champion. I've still got a lot of committed to memory, though. <laughs> oh, glory! Thank you, Lord. You say, Brother Donnie, you mean people will attack the Lord Jesus? They will literally fight him? Friends, that ain't nothing new. Man has been doing that for thousands of years. People are fighting him tonight. We used to fight him. Let's just be honest. We still have fights with him every now and then. Come on, go ahead and be honest and just clear your soul. It ain't nothing new for man to fight God. But can you imagine when he will stand there in that glorified body and they see him and millions of his saints coming out of heaven and they will see us there, glorified bodies, and they will be so under the influence of Satan, they will fire their missiles at us. And if they've got guns, they'll pew, and it'll go straight through me, pew. And I say, how in the world did that happen? They'll blow bombs right up in the middle of us, and we'll just enter them, nah, 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 nah. But they will attack with such vengeance. And out of his mouth will come the sword and slay them all. And out of that same mouth came his sword one day and killed your old vile nature. Can't you see, friends, it depends on what you receive from him. From the same temple comes such wonderful grace. 
But when the lawyer's gone from the same temple comes vials, trumpets, plagues, destruction. Oh God, I want his mercy. If it wasn't for his grace, I'd be one of these people. I'd be one of them people down there, Brother Darrell, at Megiddo. I'd be one of them down there trying to fight in the literal Lord Jesus standing right there in you saints. But God broke my heart. God broke my nature. Praise God. That's why we don't fight this word. We love it. Some people, absolutely, they absolutely hate it. They absolutely hate it and despise it. And you're thinking, why? Why do you hate it? It's changed me. It's made me so much of a better person. Why do you hate it? And it'll be the same thing carried right up to the battle of Armageddon. Millions times millions. They'll be bussing them in. They'll be flying them in. They'll be landing in, you know, every way imaginable. And they'll all gather to that one little place where dynasties have fallen and dynasties have risen. But it won't be like Josiah. It will not be like a hazy hell. But here, the great king will stand and say, I officially declare Satan's kingdom is over. And then atomic fire and stuff will be exploding and we'll be lifted up on the earth and say, darling, come on. Let's, let's step out for a few minutes. I got to clean up all this, all this blood and gore and guts and all that stuff. Just come with me for a bit. We'll step away. We'll be right back, I promise. So the bride and the Lord Jesus steps out and this fire begins to cover over the earth, atomic fire. And then he'll know when the time is right. And he'll say, y'all ready? I'll say, yes. I seen a picture just yesterday. I guess it was day before yesterday. I was looking for some pictures for the church. And Carol was wanting one of Jesus and his bride. And I was looking on Google and I seen pictures the way people had drawn Jesus and had Jesus and his bride. And I was so amazed at how many that I saw an artist's rendition of it, of course. And the majority of them was Jesus looking at her and her looking at Jesus. And both of them were smiling. They were so happy. And Jesus was holding his bride's hand in one of them and looking at her and smiling. And he had his head back like this. And he was just laughing. I thought, Lord, is that what you're going to do? You're going to be so happy. And we'll walk out on this millennium. Hallelujah. And you say, sweetheart, this is my wedding present to you. This is yours. Praise God. Dear Jesus. May there not be a one of us missing, Lord. 
when the dynasty of Satan is brought to this end, he will be bound with a chain of circumstance and held there till the honeymoon is over. We know the Millennium Temple will be built, of course, according to Ezekiel 38. And in memorial, the sacrifices will be there. Lord will live and rule and reign on the earth. Finally, the knowledge of the Lord will cover the earth like the seas. There'll be no death, no suffering. And that's just the millennium. The prophet said there'll be nothing that'll die. We'll build our own houses because it's the Feast of Tabernacles. So I guess us brothers will be out there speaking the word and building our houses. Praise God. We'll take our young, beautiful wives by the hands and they'll reach over and grab a hold of us. We'll be 18 forever. Praise God. Glory to God. Oh, peace will come on the earth and the lion will lay down by the lamb. The beast of the wild shall be led by a little child. But to me, the greatest part will be, and I'll be changed from this creature that I am. Because tonight, even though I'm born again, I'm still plagued with this old temple of humiliation, this tabernacle. Remember the Jim Babb used to talk about it a lot, and every time I'd quote that quote to him, he'd just bat his eyes kind of fast and Tears would well up in him, and he'd nod his head, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, he'd say. And Brother Michael's talking about him today, how much we missed him. But Brother Jim's got something on us tonight. He could say, Brother Donnie, I've done entered into that word, body. You've preached about it, but buddy, you don't have a clue what it's all about. All those saints that we've lost, as we say lost in the last couple of years, they're all waiting there for us, Lord. Praise God. Oh, Jesus, while mercy is coming from the temple of God, may we accept it. While the attorney is on the throne, may we find his favor. Lord God, forgive us when we're wrong. Help us to be like you. Mold us into your image. Don't leave us on the earth that out of that same temple door will come the wrath of God and turn this place into hell on earth. Give us your mercy. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. Can we just raise our hands in the presence of the Lord? Oh, children, this is not a Disney story. It's the truth from God's Bible. Amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, come, Lord. No wonder after John saw all those great things, he just said, come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Oh, Father God, we love you. May you minister to every heart here tonight. Heal the sick, encourage those that are down. Strengthen those that are weak, Father. We worship you now, Lord God. Glory to God. I'm so glad that we don't have to wait till that great day of the battle of Armageddon to see our mighty conqueror. We have seen you stand in our midst. 
the mighty conquer and heal those that doctors said would never be able to be healed. And we're looking for more, Lord God. You are the bride's hero. Hallelujah. We needed a champion that would stand in our place. And you stood for us, Lord God, as our great champion. We worship you tonight, Father. Sing something for us, Harry. Let's just worship the Lord together, can we? Brother Fred Perry is going to be having surgery tomorrow. It's still on, Brother Fred. Still having that tomorrow. Brother Fred wanted us to pray for him. Pretty serious thing. Brother Fred's back. It's been bothering him for quite a while. We're just trusting the Lord to be with our brother and guide the surgeon's hand. Let's just join together. believe the Lord's going to move for our brother. So we're asking you that you'd be with our brother. Heavenly Father, may it go well. May it help our brother. Lord, may he be able to be able to get over this. Lord, you see the suffering that he's went through. Lord, when he was over painting that building for his father and he'd paint and paint, his hands would go numb. He couldn't hardly even raise his arms, but he wanted to do it for your people. Lord, he wanted to do it. And I say, Brother Fred, buddy, don't hurt yourself. He said, no, I want to do it for the bride. Lord God, I pray you would bless our brother and be with him, Father, and help him. We're looking to you, Father, in the name of Jesus. May the Spirit of God touch him, Lord. Be with him, we pray, Father. Give him a good recovery of this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise God. He's your champion, Brother Fred. Hallelujah. Maybe somebody else here tonight needs a champion. Hallelujah. To come by your way. Brother Darrell ain't your champion. I'm not your champion. These other brothers that come up, no, we're just mere mortals like you are. But the champion is here. I'll tell you how great he is. He don't even need bridges. He can walk on water. Praise the Lord. If he chooses to do so, he's the only surgeon that I know of can open you up, remove a bad part, or remove a gross, and not even leave a scar. Praise be to God. He's a mighty God. And if you've got an addiction in your body, you've got a habit that you can't overcome, he can go down in there and take that thing out, and the very thirst of it be gone from you and never bother you again a day in your life. He is the bride's hero. He is the bride's conqueror. We didn't need a pope. We didn't need a bishop. We didn't need a good man. We needed a God man, not a good man. (laughs) That's what we needed was a God man. And God became that to us. Oh, don't you love him tonight? Let's just worship him together. Sing something for us. Didn't I walk on the water? I calm the raging sea, spoke to the wind, it has 
church when the angel stood there that day and Satan was there after the body of Moses and he the Bible says he does not durst not rebuke him but said the Lord rebukes thee you imagine an angel of God standing there but he didn't have direct authority on his own to be able to rebuke that devil but Holy Ghost feels sons of God When we pray for these people, we don't have to say, the Lord rebuke you, devil. I've got authority to do it. In my name, they shall cast out devil. That's the power that's in the body. He said, do you remember, child, where I brought you from?
out to the Lord. My Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. Tower of 
have to go through just to find out what you already know he is our healer our redeemer our deliverer El Gabor mighty in battle man of war he's our all in our all without him we can do nothing with him we can do all things they have to go through all that to find out what you already know here tonight isn't that wonderful that he revealed it to you on this side Think about that. The same water that saved Noah destroyed those who laughed at him. The same anointing that delivered David destroyed Goliath. Think about that, friends. And the same Holy Ghost we're rejoicing on tonight will condemn them. Same one. Not a different one. Same one. Aren't you glad you received it tonight? And the prophet taught us how simple it was that a pardon is only a pardon when it's received as a pardon. Brother Bram said sinners don't go to hell because they're sinners. But they go to hell because they refuse to accept the bypass, which is Jesus Christ. 
Amen. To receive what God has done for us. How happy we are tonight. And you know, the most wonderful thing about it is, we wasn't even looking for it. He come looking for us. Did he not come looking for you? Did not he keep his word to you? Behold, I will send you, Elijah the prophet. He sent Elijah to find you, Rebecca. He sent Elijah to find us. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord tonight. Amen. Let's just bow our heads. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we look upon these things, Lord, it, it makes you want to be a, a greater light. It makes you want to live more surrendered that those around us could see you. And Lord, I pray tonight, let us be that kind of people, Lord. We can humble ourselves down to be vessels, Lord, that you can reflect yourself through, express yourself through, vindicate yourself through to a dying world around us. As the song says, who will be Jesus to them? Oh, God, let it be us, Lord. I promise that I'm not Jesus. We're not Jesus, but it's you living through your people, Lord. Father, we thank you for the word of God that we heard tonight. Thank you for the great revelation, Lord, that you and your grace has bestowed upon us. Father, we ask that you go with your children. Make the way home. Watch over them on the highways, Lord. We pray for Brother Donnie, Father, that you'd renew his strength, Lord. That you continue, Lord, to enlighten his understanding to bring these great, precious nuggets, Lord. That we can feast upon, Lord, vitamins for a body change. How we thank you for it, Father. Hallelujah. Go with your people now, Lord, the remainder of the week. And those that are sick and afflicted, Father, may you just do something wonderful for them. And those that's lost loved ones, Lord, and their hearts are heavy. May you just comfort them, Lord, we pray. We love you, Lord. We pray for our young people, Father, for our mothers and our fathers and our brothers and our sisters. Oh, God, may there not be a one there that day without the token. But, Lord, may it be on display. Grant it, Lord, we ask you, Father. As I heard your prophet the other day praying for the Apaches of San Carlos. It was his desire that ever Apache at San Carlos would receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And Lord, that's my desire tonight. That every person within the sound of this voice, Lord, would receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Grant it, Lord, we pray. Go with your children now, Father, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, saints. Be praying for you tomorrow, Brother Perry. Amen. Do you love him tonight? Amen. Sing us happy, Brother Joel. May the Lord bless you richly. And be good to be in the house of the Lord. God bless you.
Brett here.